Diecast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. In today's edition, Kai and Abel, Harvard shines as Leverkusen flattened Gladbach's cardboard army, Hertha's funky tight with Bruno Labbadia continues, Bayern rather ungratefully beat Eintracht, the team that relieved them of Niko Kovac back in November 5-2, Schalke are unspeakably poor, Timo Werner's hat-trick keeps the message simple in minds. Don't you forget about me, Jürgen. And there's Dortmund versus Bayern to look forward to. The biggest game in the world on Tuesday night. All of this and more in Stahlkast. Today's special, absolutely indispensable advisors who like to look at the ruined fortress in their spare time, or the Felton's Arena as it is more colloquially known, are Christoph Biermann and Kevin Hatchard. And we'll hear the black and yellow perspective from Dortmund-based journalist Lars Pollmann in a bit as well. But before that, don't forget you can read the Athletic's fine Bundesliga coverage and indeed much more great sports journalism for 40% off. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Bundesliga's back. Okay, let's start with Friday night where Hertha beat Union Berlin very comfortably, a 4-0 victory to win the Berlin Derby 4-1 on aggregate. Christoph, your Union sympathies aside, is it time that we revise our opinion of Bruno Labbadia? I already did uh, a long time ago um, because I... Of course, you're I ahead had... of the curve. No, <laughs> maybe I try to flatten the curve uh, of the Labbadia curve now. Uh, no, now I think... Uh, in in recent years, where he had been, he had uh, done good jobs. I think he is especially good in um, bringing teams together. And I think that was a main problem at Hertha. They didn't have a leader for most of the season. He is a fourth coach now. I think it's not an easy team to lead. And um, and obviously Labadia was uh, is a perfect man to do it. And yeah, and now you can you can see that the players are actually uh, good. I, I think everybody knew that before, but uh, Labadia managed uh, to put them together as a team. I think he's been very smart with some of his selections as well. I think if you look at Vera Dubišević, the decision to uh, play him in attack ahead of. Uh, Christoph Piontek, I think, was a sign to the whole squad that this was a clean slate and that everybody had the opportunity to impress. And Abisevic has really responded to that. thought he was terrific against Union, got the opening goal, uh, made uh, the next two. And his tenacity in attack has kind of set the tone for the rest of the team. So I think that was a really smart move early on to put Abisevic back in the team. I think he had a were easily the most improved side that we saw on, on this match day. just want to go back to, to Labadia briefly, Christoph. Why is it then that he didn't get a long-term job at Wolfsburg? He did such a great job there as well, qualifying them for, for the Europa League. I think in, in Wolfsburg, he was perceived mainly as the man who is he's really good in in pushing a team and bringing a team together. That, but, but maybe I think they had the impression that uh, probably it wouldn't last longer or that he wouldn't be able to develop uh, the team on on a on a new level i don't know if, if that's true or if glasner was uh, is proving now uh, that that he is capable of doing it but i think that was a perception so in a, a, a bit uh, labadia still has this tag of the uh, a Feuerwehrmann firefighter um, on him. I think after so so many years in the Bundesliga now, it's a bit unjustified. Talking of Wolfsburg, they 
tried their best, but couldn't really put a glove on on the Dortmund side. They were very clinical, very efficient. I think Dortmund with that two 0 win, uh, very championship like, very Bayern like in their performance. Would you agree, Kevin? Yeah, I think so. And I think you look at the fact that they've kept back to back clean sheets since the resumption of the season. You look at the expected goals figures, uh, and they're very low in terms of what they've allowed. The opposition, Renato Steffen had a good chance for Wolfsburg and just clipped the bar. But apart from that, uh, Dortmund managed to tiptoe their way through the game uh, pretty comfortably. And I think you're quite right, Rafa. I think it is a sign of a championship contender. If you can do that, it's the kind of game you looked at in the fixture list and thought that might be tricky. Wolfsburg very well organised, uh, quite gritty, dogged, determined. But uh, Dortmund managed to uh, hold them at arm's length and they have such firepower. I mean, you look at the sheer speed in that team, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to score against anyone. So I thought it was a terrific display. Well, we got a chance to talk a little bit more about Dortmund and indeed Bayern, of course, ahead of their meeting on Tuesday night. But what are we to make of, of Frankfurt's performance in that 5-2 defeat in Munich? I mean, Hinteregger did score two goals, or three, if we include his uh, <laughs> his own goal. Um, but they're a team in, in free fall, it seems. How can we explain that, Christoph? Difficult. Um, I find it interesting because I expected Frankfurt to be one of the team that might change after the long break because my impression before that was that all the international competition this season was too big load and that they needed some time to to recover to to be more fresh and and so on and now they they have uh, two defeats more that is five in a row altogether and you you're right it it looks a bit like like a, um, a free fall it's difficult for me to 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 see the reason what's going on there because they have a good squad they still have a, a good coach but they don't get things together right now i think there are some big problems there tactically uh, defensively they're all over the place um, he's made some adjustments Adi Huta that haven't worked I think there's a problem with a lack of consistency of selection in attack, sometimes it's Andre Silva, sometimes it's Baz Dost sometimes it's Gonzalo Paciencia and as a result of that none of those three have really uh, I think lived up to their potential this season, I think there's too much reliance on Philip Kostic to come up with something special and you look at some of the strengths that they had previously, you know, you'd back them to be concentrating at set pieces when they're defending, but they switched off a lot against Bayern. I think they have some real issues there that Adi Huta has to solve very, very quickly. Well, and there are perhaps even worse issues at Schalke for David Wagner to solve. They went down 3-0 on the long-awaited debut of Heiko Herrlich in his job. He had to wait 75 days after his appointment. Equaling the record of Rolf Schafstahl, I, I read, um, Christoph. But I think one of the discoveries of these games behind closed doors is that you see more football. What I mean by that is you are forced to watch the teams more closer, the actual game. You're not less easily distracted, but they're also very exposed and their failings and, and deficiencies are put into very, very star contrast and I think this was especially true of Schalke who were painfully painfully bad as bad as they were perhaps under Domenico Tedesco last season what how can we explain a team that had some decent results and had a strong start to the second half of the season beating Gladbach at home 
being so abject, Kevin? I think they've reverted to old tropes and old habits. When David Wagner arrived, he made a really big play of saying, we're going to combine, we're going to play more attacking football. He showed the players some footage of games they played under Domenico Tedesco and said, why did you hit the ball long here when you could have played it short here? And there was a lot of that. And you listen to Weston McKenney, their American uh, midfielder. He was glowing in his praise of uh, David Wagner early on, saying this is going to be fun, we're really excited. And at times in the Hinrunda, they played some lovely football. And I mean, Arik was terrific, but he's gone off the boil. Uh, I think there have been a lot of games that have passed him by. He was absent against Augsburg uh, because of injury and they missed him. And if things don't happen for him, then there's no creative spark whatsoever. And what they've ended up doing is just going direct all the time And because of this run of results, there's been a total lack of confidence. You look at the moment when Eduard Lerven smacked in that beautiful free kick for Augsburg very early on, and you could almost see them crumble. So uh, it's a, a collection of things. I think it's individual mistakes. I think it's a lack of spark in terms of ideas from David Wagner in terms of how to change things uh, in attack. And I just think they have no cohesion whatsoever. And also some really strange decisions. The likes of uh, Ahmed Kutuju, the young striker they have, he barely gets an opportunity to shine. I don't understand why Benito Raman didn't start the game against Augsburg. It's all very strange. I think Kevin is is especially right when he, he he's pointing at the early free kick that gave Augsburg a 1-0 lead at Schalke. I think if you're in a situation like Schalke, um, they only have one uh, match after the winter break, the, the mentioned uh, game against Mönchengladbach. So you haven't won for many weeks and, and this time has been extended uh, with a Corona break. Your confidence is very low. And then at that time, certain moments in football matches can be very, very important. Especially if you if you don't have this solid basic of the game, if some players are missing, if some players are out of form, and and so just this tiny moment where you think, yeah, okay, you ha still have uh, 84 minutes uh, to to play, that they can be decisive on on that level of football, and and we're talking about a low level of football. Yeah, but should it should it be that low? <laughs> My question. I mean, it was. It was tough, very tough to watch. And you wonder if David Wagner, who you're right, Kevin and Christoph, had, had come in and I think had made a lot of positive changes and managed to energize the players and managed to change a little bit of the dynamics in the team. If he is the latest manager to not just struggle, but perhaps to fail to really sort out this this club, then you wonder where, where they're going to go from there. But we'll hope for him that he can still find a way to to stabilize them and at least get them perhaps closer to the Europa League places again. Now, a brief mention, I think, for, for Leipzig, who have found their dream opponent in Mainz. They would love to play Mainz every time. 8-0 um, in November, 5-0 on Sunday, and it could have easily been 8 or 10. I mean, Mainz were just hopelessly outplayed, really, by, by a Leipzig side who didn't even break a sweat. Uh, Timo Werner, three goals, Kevin, which kind of expected now from him, don't we? Well, I think it was nice to see him looking so sharp. Uh, I think he had a disappointing uh, game against Freiburg, even though 
uh, Leipzig should have won that game comfortably uh, if you look at the statistics. And I think uh, Mainz will probably just petition the league just to not bother playing Leipzig next season, maybe just have it as a 3 0. Although the way they're going, well, they... they might not play Leipzig next yeah, exactly. season if they tumble out of the league. Um, they're a really strange team because I think there's a lot of talent there uh, within that Mainz squad. But Akin Bayerlotta hasn't been able to unlock any of that potential. Some really odd selections from him. They concede so many goals. I mean, you listen to uh, Jean-Paul Boetius, their Dutch midfielder afterwards, and he said it could have been worse. Uh, so, yeah, I thought Werner looked very, very sharp. And when... They are at their best, Leipzig. You see him popping up in all sorts of positions. He's not just a guy that stays on the shoulder of defenders. He pops up at 10 uh, all over the place in the in the half spaces, if you like, the inside left and the inside right channels. And he's so, so difficult to contain. Well, we should also mention that uh, Werder Bremen at last found a way of winning a game. Uh, very, very important. Three points uh, after their 1-0 defeat of Freiburg which uh, won Florian Kofel a bit of breathing space. He did claim before the game that he, after much deliberation, came to the conclusion that he is the right man for the job, uh, which was a <laughs> risky, I think, risky statement, but yes. seems to have been uh, borne out by uh, much improved performance. And I guess the second big winners, if you can put it that way, off this weekend were Bayer Leverkusen, because they continued their great run under Peter Bosch, now 11 games unbeaten and won 3-1 away to Borussia Mönchengladbach to jump past them into fourth spot and perhaps even have an outside, small, small outside chance of challenging Bayern or Dortmund for the title. How impressed were we with Leverkusen in this performance? Christoph. Very much. To say something in, in general before coming back to Leverkusen, it's, um, I find it very interesting that so many trends that started before the corona break go on now. So Leverkusen is, is still good. Schalke is still not so very good. Uh, <laughs> Frankfurt is still struggling. Union Berlin is also uh, struggling and so on and so on. So there are very few teams and I think actually probably only Hertha BSC who look completely different from from uh, before the break. I find that interesting and, and also a bit uh, surprising. But coming back to Leverkusen, Things are fitting in together, and the great Kai Harvards is is uh, the great Kai Harvards again. Uh, he had a difficult first uh, part of the season, maybe struggling with the with the situation and being the man everybody is looking to the talent where everybody is discussing uh, will they get over 100 million euro on the transfer market for him and so on and so on and maybe that was. Uh, getting to him, I don't know, but but at least you can see now it's not getting to him um, anymore. He was impressive as he has been impressive in the first match after the break already, and he's scoring a lot of goals and um, and so a very good team now has the magic extra touch. And but but uh, when when we talk about the championship, may, uh, winning the the title. I think maybe it's it's it's, uh, it's been coming a bit too late. I wonder with Havertz whether it's a tiredness issue. I actually thought he looked really tired going up towards the winter break. And once we had that little break in the middle of the season, he came back 
refreshed. He looked sparkling and he's just carried on that form. I mean, this is a kid. I mean, he's only 20. He's played a huge amount of football. And it's not just the games that he plays, but, you know, Christoph's absolutely right. It's the expectation on his shoulders. He's the captain now. He is, you know, their best player by a mile. And so that expectation probably drained him as well. I thought they were brilliant in this game against Gladbach, especially in the first half. Should have been out of sight uh, by half-time. Missed some really big chances. Lovely finish from Havertz uh, to start them off. And I have to tip my hat to Peter Boss because I I wasn't sure if his... Uh, high-risk football was going to work when he first arrived at Leverkusen. But some of the stuff they're playing now is absolutely dazzling. And Kahavitz in the force number nine role, which I think is quite interesting for the last two games now. Um, he didn't even play very well, according to Peter Bosch, when he <laughs> scored two goals against Bremen on Monday. Uh, I think he certainly did play well against against Gladbach, who are a team that don't make it easy for you to, to score. But Leverkusen were... We're on a different level, I think, throughout the game. What do we think of, of Harvard's future? He gave a very interesting interview on, on German television after the game saying, well, Leverkusen have been very good to me and I'm not going to make any trouble. I'm paraphrasing here, but this will all kind of be so- solved in an amicable way. I think that was how that was the subtext of what he was saying, which sounded very much to me like, thank you very much, I'm off. I guess with his talent, it's almost impossible for Leverkusen to keep him, but financially... I think it's going to be very difficult for him to get the kind of fee that they would have asked for back at the beginning of March. So, Christoph, what is your feeling knowing Leverkusen and the people there a little bit? How is this going to play out? You can also make a a different interpretation to what he had said. You can say, um, okay, if the situation is, is like it is, and it's so much better for the club and probably also for me, um, I stay uh, one season longer because uh, maybe in 2021 all the finances have, have recovered. There is bigger contracts to get, better uh, transfer fees to get. That could, could also be the case. I think it's it's difficult to speculate right now because obviously there are a lot of clubs or should be uh, a huge lot of clubs being interested in in Harvards, but I think even for the for the big names, it's right now it's a, it's a bit difficult to to know how things turn out. I mean, not not in Germany, um, but but in Spain or in 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 the UK, and um, so so I I, I think um, the process um, is wide open okay well what, what could be wide open is the title race as well Segway alarm um i think that um this is fascinating on tuesday because we feel that dortmund by winning this game would for the first time in what nearly 10 years at least eight years go into the final stretch of a title race with a realistic chance they they had an outside chance last year when they when they traveled to Bayern were completely taken apart in that 5-0 defeat but I think they're in a much better position let's get the view of Lars Polman who's a regular contributor of the yellow wall pod in Dortmund Lars are you here yes I am ah that's great Lars there are two type of 
of people when it comes to football. One is very, very pessimistic about their team, always assume the worst, always think they're going to get beaten. The other is the eternal optimist, always hoping for the best and their club can really do, do no wrong. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you might usually fall into the first category. But I get the sense uh, over the last few days, uh, reading between the lines on your Twitter feed, that you're a little bit more optimistic than usual. Would that be correct? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I wouldn't put myself in the pessimist category of Hans-Joachim Watzke, who is quite famous in Germany for thinking Dortmund would be relegated into the third division uh, if, if things went a bit awry. Uh, but usually I'm, I would call myself a, a pessimistic realist, if that makes sense. But over the last few games and certainly in the two games since lockdown, uh, maybe it's just the joy of having football back. But I, I do feel a bit more positive about the games and, and, and given also Dortmund's performances, that was quite nice to watch. And Obviously now against Bayern, usually there's all this this build up and hype, but maybe because of the lack of fans in the stadium, it's a bit more toned down, I guess. And and for me, that's kind of a positive. What is it about Dortmund's performances that make you feel that this could be their season this year, if, if you indeed feel that way? I'm not sure I do, but that's more down to Bayern being quite dominant, maybe not impenetrable, but but you know, their second half of the season or ever since Hansi Flick took over, uh, they, they seem to be on a bit of a roll. But as for Dortmund, I think they've really found their mojo ever since turning to that back three, unlocking the potential, especially of my favorite player in the team in Julian Brandt, but also someone like Rafael Guerrero, Torgan Azar. They have a lot of free-flowing, I would say, uh, attacking players with a lot of technical ability. And, and that's been showing in these last few games and especially since lockdown has been over someone even like Mahmoud Dahoud who uh, usually oscillates between brilliant and abysmal has uh, been able to find a level that is at least competent in replacing what usually Axel Witzel would bring to the team so there's a lot of positivity in their play and also defensive solidity even though uh, if we think back to the Wolfsburg game if Renato Steffen turns out better in that 1v1 against his compatriot Roman Birki. I think we are probably looking at a game in which Dortmund are pretty likely to drop points because in the second half of that game, they, they really weren't too switched on, I would say. And I think they were missing Mats Hummels as well in the second half who had to come off injured. Uh, is he likely to play, you think? Yeah, Lucien Favre just, uh, I think he's still in his press conference as we speak, but he said he's 99% certain that Hummels will be available, which is quite huge. I mean, his availability was literally going to be the the the, the Achilles heel of Dortmund's game plan against Bayern, I would say, because he, they, they definitely need him as the organizer of that backline and I think it's it's been quite telling uh, these last two games or one and a half games in terms of Hummels uh, without the crowd noise you can hear basically every command he makes and he's constantly talking during the game and he's much more active in a way than Lucien Favre is during a game he's kind of a prolonged arm of a coach if you like and not having him would have had also the trickle down effect of presumably having Emre Can uh, at centre-half, that didn't work out too well uh, at Wolfsburg and, and you probably want him to start in midfield against Bayern because you need uh, that solidity against uh, Goretzka and uh, Müller. So Hummels being available would definitely, in my, in my view, uh, up Dortmund's chances to take something away from this game. Lars, what have you made of 
the added maturity that Dortmund have shown because you look at some of the games and they've managed to kind of plot their way through them in a way that they perhaps weren't able to do before. And you mentioned that uh, three-man back line has given them a bit more solidity. Do you feel they're better able to cope with the pressures in-game now because they have that solid structure? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the results, that that seems to be the... The, the likely takeaway. I think the the return of Hummels generally uh, has yielded the results they were hoping for, but in that back four they were kind of unstable, I would say, also because the the two fullbacks in Guerrero and Hakimi or Pischek, I don't think either of those three guys is really best suited to play in the back four, uh, especially with Pischek these days because he's lacking a bit in the the athletic department, and both Guerrero and Hakimi are more attacking-minded players in a, in a full-back's body, if you like. So uh, them turning to that more structured, stable uh, center of the pitch with also the, the usual two uh, defensive midfielders in Witzel and Jan or Jan and Delaney, as it might be against Bayern or even Dahoud, um, I think that has given them a base from which to operate on and, and certainly as I said earlier, also helped unlock the creative potential of someone like Julian Brandt, but also Azar and Guerrero going forward because they always can count on Dortmund not usually being overrun in the center, as might have been the case uh, earlier in the season, for example. Uh, and indeed, indeed also in the, the first game against Bayern. Last Dortmund, I think we kind of almost forget or take it for granted, have spent a lot of money this season strengthening and their buys have been fantastic. Um, Emre Can coming in, Erling Haaland, Torgen Hazard, Julian Brandt and Mats Hummels. I mean, that is basically half a new team. Do you feel with, with Bayern perhaps not being at their best, certainly not before Hansi Flick took over in November, that this is a golden opportunity with both Dortmund having such a strong squad and Bayern showing a little bit of weakness and their total points will be nothing special by their standards this year, even if they go on and win every every single game. Does this put more pressure on Lucien Favre? Is this sort of a make-or-break situation for him and the club now? I always come back to the return of Mats Hummels when, when that question is posed. I think uh, I, I even wrote about it at uh, some point during the summer. Uh, they they already knew before Hummels came back that they can be vice champions or come in in second place. So when when you sign a centre half for whatever they paid for him, uh, close to thirty million or even a bit above, and he's over thirty years old, that basically indicates to me uh, you think you are one player away from winning a title. Uh, obviously, Hummels is a bit of a special case because he was at Dortmund before, but I think the point still stands that they really thought. They, they were this close to uh, getting the upper hand against Bayern and, and only needed that little push. So now we are uh, eight games away from the end of the season and they are four points away and have Bayern at home. So if this isn't crunch time for Dortmund and Favre especially because he's not really known to be a, a coach who wins titles, then I don't know what would constitute that situation. So certainly... The, the pressure, I think Bastian Schweinsteiger said the pressure is on Dortmund in this fixture, not on Bayern, and I would have, uh, have to agree with that probably. Some weeks before the Corona break, I had the chance to interview Mats Hummels, and um, obviously 
he uh, did not want to compare Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich uh, too much, but between the lines, you could see what what he learned or what he uh, thought was was very important to bring in into this Dortmund team is a kind of full focus every day in every training session and, and so on. And and I think he said they had it in. Dortmund in the in the golden days of, of Jurgen Klopp before he went to um, Bayern Munich but he uh, he learned more about that at Munich going back there and I think he uh, part of his mission is to install this kind of thinking and behaving and uh, focus in training, focus in every match uh, in this Dortmund team, and 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 so I I, um, I think Lars is 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 is, is right to 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 put Mats Hummels in in the spotlight because um, probably he makes them a team that is able to to win the championship, but not only by uh, his sporting quality, but but being a leader. Okay, so tactically, what do you think? What do we think it's is going to happen um, I guess the pattern is, is sort of set Bayern want to have the ball they want to have their passing game they want to push Dortmund back and then see if they can attack the spaces behind the wing backs who will be probably quite deep in this game and uh, Dortmund will want to play the transition game uh, they don't tend to press very high they, they, they sit off then press a little bit midfield and if they can catch out Bayern the way that Leverkusen and Gladbach for example ca caught them out with their new high line and Hansi Flick. Those were the two games that Bayern lost and maybe it will be a third one. Is that sort of the uh, the basic script, Kevin? Yeah, I think it will be. I think what's really interesting is the role of Thomas Müller in this game because I thought he was sensational against Frankfurt uh, on Saturday. I mean, it's, it's the stuff we always talk about. It's the, the competitive instinct, but also the movement. There's nobody really like him in the league and in these big games he comes to the party and he has the kind of movement that will discomfort defenders. So I think his role is absolutely key. You mentioned those games against Gladbach and Leverkusen. The key to both of those matches was Bayern having a, a lack of a clinical edge in attack, which is unusual for them. But they passed up lots of chances in those games. I think they will get chances on Tuesday against Dortmund. And one of the keys to the game is whether they can take them. Because if they miss as many as they did in those other games against Leverkusen, against Gladbach, then they could be in big, big trouble. I think Dortmund, the form that they're in, do have an opportunity here. I think you can catch Bayern on the counter. Uh, and I think the transition game is going to be absolutely key. And I'll be interested to see if Jaden Sancho's fit enough to start because he's only come on as a sub in the last two games, but he was able to make an impact against Wolfsburg, making that second goal for Hakimi. So he could have a key role as well. Not a bad sub to bring on, of course, after 60 or 70 minutes. But um, last Dortmund's, Dortmund's basic setup under Favre, as we just said, isn't really based on on too much high pressing. Uh, in fact, for, from the top teams, Dortmund, I think, are, are the ones who are pressing both the lowest and the most infrequent. What do they have to do to get the balance right? And the balance, I mean, not so much tactically, but almost mentally, because I feel sometimes when Dortmund turn up that way, that kind of slightly reactive and patient way to trying to catch out the bigger sides... When it works, it's beautiful. But when it doesn't, it kind of s slips sometimes into a sense of passivity. 
and they can't then quite get back into the game. What do they have to do to, you know, to find the right attitude without necessarily doing something that is against their nature and how they want to play under Favre? Well, I think for for starters, it would behoove Favre not to go with, I think, his more uh, conservative instinct, if you like, and play presumably Delaney with Chan. I think uh, they would be best suited to have one, you know, ball player, ball progressive carrier, whatever you want to call it, in probably Dahoud because Witzel is not likely to be fit enough to play more than 20 or 30 minutes uh, off the bench. Just so they, they have someone else in midfield uh, who is comfortable enough to carry the ball forward instead of someone like Delaney who likes to spray in more long passes. He's quite similar in that regard almost to Hummels. Uh, sometimes I, I, I struggle to tell them apart because they also look a bit the same now with, with Delaney's longer hair. Uh, and and to me, the, the key for Dortmund is probably in the fullbacks. I mean, they they have been the, the decisive factors in these two games after lockdown. And uh, I think Bayern will make a point of uh, trying to push Hakimi and Guerrero back as far uh, or deep as far as they can with obviously Davies uh, on the left side of Bayern being the, the the foil of Hakimi in the first leg and, and Hakimi had perhaps his worst game in, Dorp, in a Dortmund shirt in, in Munich um, because if if the two fullbacks or wingbacks of Dortmund can't advance far enough up the pitch the the uh, wingers if you like who, who have been Brandt and Hazard in recent weeks have to provide the width and, and in the last few games, even before lockdown, they were moving more inside and that helped Dortmund create uh, the spaces for someone like Brandt and Guerrero and Hakimi even uh, to uh, unfold their attacking potential. Um, I mean, we everybody's been talking about Haaland, obviously, with his scoring record, but the, the actual story was... Dortmund being so good with uh, Brandt and Hazard and the, the two wingbacks moving inside the, the half spaces, if you like. So if, if Bayern managed to uh, push the, the Dortmund wingbacks far enough back, I don't see uh, how Dortmund are going to have enough stable possession uh, deep in Bayern's half to really hurt them any other way than uh, on the counter and transition and then I mean, we all know how, how great Bayern have been under Flick in, in pressing and counter-pressing, so I don't see how many uh, transitional opportunities Dortmund will even have. So they might only have two or three you know, long balls towards Haaland and, and he has to basically convert them. So I think from, from the get-go, I think Bayern have the more stable avenue to winning this game, but obviously Dortmund have enough individual quality to also overcome that. Okay, quick prediction. Before knowing about uh, Hummel's availability, I was leaning towards a Bayern win, even though Dortmund have been quite good at home against Bayern over the last few games, so I'm probably leaning towards a one-all draw now. I thought you were being optimistic, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is optimistic for my, for my standards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Christoph? First, I would like to say I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, yes. And that wasn't in the wasn't the case uh, always in recent years when uh, Dortmund was playing uh, Bayern because sometimes the, the gap you mentioned, the 5-0 last season, uh, the, the quality gap between the two teams was too, too big. It, um, it's not as big at the moment. Both teams are in what we have seen. 
are in a good form, so it should be a good match. And hopefully Borussia Dortmund will win it because then we have a a very interesting competition for the German title. And so I go for a 2-1. I will go for a 2-2 draw, but I'm in Christoph's camp. I would love Dortmund to show up in this game. I think it would be great for the league if they could win it. And I think we just want to see a real toe-to-toe battle. What we don't want is what we have seen at the Allianz Arena recently between these two and Bayern have just absolutely crushed them uh, and it's you know been quite grim by the end of it so hopefully both teams will play well and for the sake of the title race hopefully Dortmund will win it I think there will be plenty of goals well of course I think as neutrals we would all like Dortmund uh, to to do it on Tuesday night it would ensure that the uh, title race is going to be more exciting than anyone we've seen in, in recent years but I am not quite sure they they have what it takes to withstand Bayern. Like you, Kevin, I've gone for a 2-2 draw. But in either case, I think it should be the best game we've seen for a couple of months. I think that's a f- fair prediction. <laughs> and uh, possibly the best game we will see for another couple of months until the, the big heavyweights come back in the Champions League. In terms of the quality of both sides, I think it should be a fantastic spectacle. And uh, we will have a special pod on Wednesday morning for you, dissecting the highs and lows of the biggest game in the German calendar. Tune in on Wednesday for the special Classica pot.